Hello and welcome to Club Crime. My name is Amelia, otherwise known as DJ EJ, and this is a true crime broadcast recording live here at KTCU. Oh my goodness, it has been two weeks since I've talked to all of you. That's so crazy. I've been on spring break. My spring break, I gotta say, I didn't do much. I stayed here at TCU all week because I am in a show in Dallas, but that's okay. I got in a lot of rest and I was able to write a really killer story for all of you this week. But before we get into our story, um, we have another special guest for our seventh episode, which is so crazy, our seventh episode. But I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Maddie. Maddie, would you like to tell everyone about yourself? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Maddie. Um, I'm an acting major here at TCU um, on the pre-law track, actually. So, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. What kind of lawyer do you want to be? Honestly, as a kid, obviously wanted to go into the crime realm, Mm -hmm. just like criminology, you know, Mm -hmm. putting bad guys in jail. But right now, I'm not really sure. Not sure. But how did you get into true crime? Why are you here tonight? Oh, I have been a true crime fan for forever since mm-hmm. I was like a baby mm-hmm. um started with law and order and oh. just kind of you know me too yeah fell Literally. down that rabbit hole no I told my parents for a while I was like I'm gonna be a detective and yes, I'm gonna be too. an SVU me too <laughs> and then I was like I don't police academy scares me you have to get tased <laughs> yes <laughs> and pepper sprayed and I said Mm-mm. no thanks I'm good. thank you that, that was really nice of you guys to like <laughs> offer that to me but I just can't um but yeah Thank you so much for being here. Of course. How does it feel to be guest number seven? Um, Seven is my lucky number. Ooh. So, very good. Your lucky number seven. Oh, and how how was your spring break? How do you feel like being back? It was good. Very restful. Mm-hmm. I went home, just chilled Ooh. around there. So. Where are you originally from? I'm from Houston. Okay. But, yeah, t- today I felt like a zombie. I, like, woke Me up for too. all my classes and I go... I don't think I can make it today, guys. Like yeah, I, I don't, th- I don't remember one thing from any of my classes. Same. I doubted myself all day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I probably took notes, and I could look back and see like what I learned, but like in my head, none of that was. Sticking. None of it was retained. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to tell you right now your guest duties. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a true crime story. It is your job to react, ask questions, and add in your own personal anecdotes. And just basically add to the story in any way that you want. So you can stop me at any point. You can basically be like, Amelia, like, shut up. I have something to say now. (laughs) So at any time, you can talk. Now, you have to promise all of the listeners that I have not told you anything about your story, that this will be a true surprise. Do you have any little guesses that you want to take? I'll give you a hint. Okay. Historical. Oh, God, I have no guesses. No guesses? No guesses. All right. Well, tonight's story is the story of the shootout at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. Ooh. Sources for tonight's story include Britannica, Wikipedia, History.com, OKCorral.com, Leadville.com, and ABC News. Are you ready to get into it? I'm so ready. All right. So as with most of our stories, we do have to start with the background on the story. So Tombstone, Arizona, was founded in 1879 and is located about 30 miles from the Mexico border and is one of the last great American boom towns. The mining mining town grew exponentially after the discovery of silver in the area. So not like gold, which was like the big thing in the West at the time, but silver, which 
I love a little silver moment. Absolutely. Everyone loves a little silver moment. And the town started off with just 100 people, but by 1881, it had 7,000 people. Dang. Which was a lot okay. of people for the time. Mm-hmm. I always, I was thinking this time, I'm like, 7,000 people, wow. 7,000 people lived past the age of, like, five. <laughs> yeah 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 i was listening to i don't remember what podcast it was but they brought this girl on who has just stopped washing her hands because her whole idea is that well people in like the 1800s didn't wash their hands and they survived so i stopped washing my hands and i thought about and i go well you know people didn't wash their hands but did they live past the age of 30 exactly good point exactly you know you can stop washing your hands i'll just never go to your house ever again (laughs) ever that's just so like weird that's to me. That's so gross. I'm sorry. It's it's just vi- like I don't that's like such like an offhand like comment, but I was like that just popped into my mind. Is like I was I don't remember even what po- I think it was called the Caller Daddy podcast. <gasps> I love that which podcast. Which I love and like so she good. just brought on like some random person. I was like, who is this and <laughs> why are they here? Mistakes. I would like I'm sorry if that person came in to talk, I would sanitize everything. Yeah, no kidding. Afterwards, I'd be like, "Great, that's such a cool story." Um <laughs> excuse Thanks. me while i yeah, excuse me while i just burn down everything, everything. <laughs> um but back to the story as tombstone grew it attracted people from all over the united states like most boom towns did and all of these people really wanted to capitalize off of the town's wealth from the silver mines these people included merchants ministers law huge professionals such as lawyers and their families because of course you're not just gonna like leave your family behind if you're yeah. gonna move all the way across the u.s the town grew to be so large that it eventually had a bowling alley, an opera house, and even an ice cream parlor, which I had no clue that was existed. Yeah, me either, actually. In that time. I thought, well, I guess I heard, like, something that apparently, like, Thomas Jefferson invented, like, ice cream in the U.S. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, thank you, Thomas. But Thanks, also, Thomas. like, how were you making that? Because y'all did not have ice. That's my question, too. I guess they had ice. But where were they getting the ice? That's always been my question. I guess it, like, gets cold yeah. in the winter, but where are you getting the ice in, like, the summer? And Yeah. What I are think you about that it? a lot. I'm so confused. Is, is that not so confusing? My mind is blown right I'm now. sure someone's going to, like, text me later and be like, this is where the ice comes from, actually, Amelia. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> sorry. Sorry that I didn't know that. <laughs> sorry. Like, <laughs> but alongside the town's several churches, banks, and newspapers, and even a school... Tombstone also had um, 110 saloons, oh. 14 gambling halls, and several brothels. And it says several brothels oh. because the exact number was um, kind of unknown because brothels were illegal. So, right. so it wasn't <laughs> like people hilarious. were just like, oh, one, two, <laughs> two three. <laughs> um, as was common in most old towns in the Old West, Tombstone attracted many criminals and shootings were very frequent in the area. Some of the most common crimes included the smuggling of alcohol and tobacco across the Mexican border and the theft of cattle from ranches in the area. Which I'm like, I always think about that. Like, I know cows probably aren't cheap, but they have brands. So really, what's the point of like stealing someone's cows if you're just going to see the brand and say those aren't yours? Like, yes. I think about- I'm also curious as to how fast you can steal a cow. I think about that, too. Because they're cows, pretty slow. Cows are slow and they're not quiet. No, they're so not. So if you're sneaking them out at night, you're bound to wake right. up someone. Like, Confusing. could you imagine waking up in the morning and just looking outside and be like, <laughs> oh, my cows are gone. My cows are gone. 
like where where'd they go where they go <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll figure it out like <laughs> i would also be pissed if like i like was at a market trying to buy more cows <laughs> to bring back there's your brand the brand yeah those just might be my cows <laughs> that's lucy yeah no yeah me too that's ridiculous <laughs> crimes are so weird man that's odd. like sometimes i uh, you know i can't understand the occasional shooting sometimes like sometimes you just like right. kind of have to shoot someone sure but cows <laughs> Just go buy a cow, man. Can't be that hard. It can't be that hard. Can't be that difficult. Or just steal a cow that's like, you know, about to be sold and then it won't have the brand. That's smart. Oh, that's smart. You know. Life hack. Take notes, people. Not not to promote cow theft, but if anyone wants to try it and tell me how it goes. I mean, I will. You want to do it this weekend? We can do it. Okay. Yeah. I'll pick you up later. Okay, perfect. But y'all didn't hear that. Shh. So early in the history of Tombstone... Three brothers arrived and settled for a short time in Tombstone on December 1st, 1879. Their names were James, Virgil, and Wyatt Earp. Now, let's talk about Wyatt Earp, because this man is, like, the most pivotal man in the story. Okay. This dude is our Othello. Uh-oh. And y'all might not get that reference, because you might not know Othello, but Maddie and I worked on Othello together. We did. Um, he's Othello in the sense that he's like, or maybe he's the Iago. He's not the bad Uh-oh. guy, but he's the main character. Okay. He's the guy that like, but I guess he is, I don't want to say he's a good guy, but he's also not a bad guy. He's just like, he's okay. He, I guess he is our Othello because Othello's like the good and the bad guy, sort of. He doesn't mean to be bad. He doesn't is mean like to that? be bad. Yeah, okay. sort of. Okay. Maybe, maybe towards the, well, you'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll, you we'll can see. make your decision. Maybe he's a Cassio. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, uh-oh. Desdemona, maybe? Mm, no. He he gets his Desdemona later. <gasps> okay. All right. Uh-oh. So Wyatt Barry Stapp Earp, which, what a name. Yeah, great. Was born on March 19th. Oh, his birthday was yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. Happy late birthday. That's been my thing. Okay, so all of my stories have, like, some sort of, like, personal touch. But then they've also been, like, happening, like, right like as soon after like the dates happen and i don't do that on purpose is that not that is so weird um and we'll talk about my little personal connection to this case (gasps) later but this one is going to be a little bit less personal than some of the other ones have been but still a little bit personal but we'll get into that later um oh and i also forgot to tell you this my parents are listening live um so if you ever have a question you can just ask joe and Catherine. okay and they'll they'll answer it for you awesome um they like to send me little texts with like answers (gasps) to my questions that is so cute that's so fun they're my favorite um and my dad knows like everything about this case too so my dad will like send us like little if i get anything wrong you know this dude's gonna be in the (laughs) chat just that that was wrong this is the actual (laughs) So, Earp was the fourth of eight children. Wow. Born to Nicholas Earp and his second wife, Virginia Ann Cooksey. Earp's older brothers fought in the American Civil War as the rest of the family worked on the farm. So, they were like a very cute, like, Mid Eastern okay. little family. Um, eight kids, though. Oof. <sighs> On a farm. On a farm. It doesn't sound very pleasant. I mean, I that's I see the reason why you'd send your kids to war. Like you just get bored <laughs> of some of them sometimes. Right. I mean, gotta make a living. In eighteen sixty four, the family moved to San Bernardino, California, but returned to Illinois in eighteen sixty eight. In eighteen sixty nine, the family moved to Lamar, Missouri, where Wyatt became a constable in eighteen seventy to replace his father who was the constable there before him. 
Around this time, Earp married his first wife, 20-year-old Eurilla Sutherland, on January 10th. 1870, though she died from typhoid fever shortly before giving birth to her and Earp's child. Mm-hmm. So do you know what typhoid fever is? I don't. It's salmonella. So that oh. goes back to our point earlier of <gasps> wash your hands. Yeah. Or else then Yikes. you won't die of salmonella poisoning. Take notes, people, again. So Earp began to go into a downward spiral following mm. his wife's death, which is to be expected for yes. anyone who loses their spouse. But he started having several run-ins with the law. Some of his allegations during this time include embezzlement, stealing horses in Native American territory, Uh. going to brothels, and then when he was put in jail, he was kind of known for just escaping. Oh, well, that's fun. So, I honestly, those are kind of badass crimes. Yeah. If I'm going to be arrested for something... Yeah, he would, like, escape and then go do more crimes and then get put back in jail and then escape again. Cool guy. I was like, I wish I knew. Like, I don't want to ever get arrested. But if I do, I want to be like this man. Like, yes. I'm going to get arrested for cool crimes. Stealing a horse. Stealing a horse. On September 10th, 1872, Earp was arrested with a prostitute named Sally Heckel, who claimed to be his wife and traveled with Earp for a while after their arrest. In 1874, Wyatt and Sally moved to Wichita, Kansas, where Wyatt became a bouncer at a brothel run by his brother. So the brothels were a family business now. This is so interesting. And that is also hilarious. Like, could you imagine, like, oh, I'm in Wichita now and my brother lives here. Do you want to know what my brother does? He owns a brothel. (laughs) And then being like, hey, I need a job. Can I be like a bouncer at your brothel? He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. No problem. You know, we're both doing illegal things. It's yeah, hard. it's fine. <laughs> so Sally left Wyatt sometime in 1875, and then Wyatt became a local policeman on April 21st, 1875. He goes, guys, I'm changing my ways. The brothel, Listen. I can't do the brothels anymore. <laughs> I gotta be the lawman I'm better now. than this. Um, so he also became a local pharaoh dealer. So pharaoh, I tried to look up the game... And it very much, it's a form of gambling. Okay. Could I describe it to you? No. Did I watch several videos trying to describe it to me? Absolutely. Do I still understand the game? Mm Mm-mm. Did it look fun? I mean, yeah, but I didn't understand it enough to be like, I want to play that. Sure. You know, I feel like someone, like, if someone maybe, like, showed me, like, in person, I could start getting it. But I was watching these videos, like, y'all are talking too fast. And there's a (laughs) lot of, like, math happening and things are moving really quickly. Oh, no math. I don't even think it was, I'm sure there was no math, but in my head it was translating as math. It's okay, I trust you. You know? Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) Earp then went on to become a policeman in Dodge City, Kansas in 1876, where he met his common law wife, Celia Ann Baylock, who went by the nickname Maddie. So do you know what a common law wife is? I do not. So it's kind of like in like our modern day, like if you have a long term partner, you're going to share taxes pretty much. Okay, you're going to cool. share, like, taxes. You're going to have your name, like, say, like, you and your long-term partner buy a house together. You're both probably going to put the name on the house. That is considered, like, a common law marriage where mm-hmm. there's never been, like, a legal marriage, like, license ever has been signed. But the way that, like, your finances are done and your taxes are done and, like, how you live together, it's, like, you guys are basically married. So it's called, like, common law because... 
you can leave the person at any time if you want to without a divorce. Mm-hmm. But like it still acts as a marriage pretty much. So it's kind of it was like the easy huh. way around marriage of like, yeah. you're my wife now, but, you know, I'm not actually going to marry you. Yeah, yeah. Because like I can't do divorce. Interesting. Um, and Celia Ann was also a prostitute at oh. one time. Uh-oh. Great. <laughs> but I also, I always thought that it was interesting. It's like, why, how do you go from, like, Celia Ann to Maddie? Right? Like, you'll, yeah. this, this happens at a couple other times with, like, women just, like, taking on some random name. And most of the time, it's literally just, like, they met another prostitute whose name they liked, and they took on that name for a while. And I didn't look too much about Maddie, but I was like, "That's so interesting." That's uh, I just think it's like weird. Yeah, that is kind of weird. So Wyatt Earp remained in in the Dodge City area until 1979. Before leaving, Earp met his longtime best friend and associate, John Henry Holiday, better known as Doc Holiday. The love of my life. I love this man. I'll tell you why I love this man so much later. But this this man. I like his name. When I tell you this man is the love of my life. (laughs) And this dude's like hundreds of years older than me. I'm ready. But at the very end of this episode, I will tell you why. Like this story just means so much to me. But Doc Holliday was born on August 14th, 1851 in Griffin, Georgia. At the age of 21, Holiday became a dentist after receiving a dentistry degree from the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery. Which, honestly, to be a dentist in this time, you're going to see a lot of messed up teeth. Yeah, that's about People to say. Brushing your, like, I, but that's probably a real good profession to go into because you know everyone's teeth be stinking and falling out. Oh, yeah. You make a lot of money. You make bank yeah, off of that. a lot of money. So, shortly after setting up his dental practice back in Georgia, Holiday was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which he received after tending to his dying mother, who also had the disease. Um, and tuberculosis in this time was not curable. It was like a death sentence if you got it, but he lived for a pretty long time after getting this. Holiday then set up his practice in Dallas, Texas, right yeah. near here. Which only lasted for a short time before he discovered his talent for gambling. Oh, oh, wow. A jump in careers. You know, um, and everything I read is that, like, he would still practice dentistry, like, oh, occasionally okay. if someone, like, asked him to. Oh, that's funny. But his main job became gambling. That's really cool. And I said, you know what? That's respectable. Yeah, that is. Because if you ever ran out of money, you could literally just go fix someone's teeth. Go back to your side hustle. Yeah. Go back to your side hustle, get more money, and Come then right back. go back to gambling. Brilliant. Like, so Holiday then started to travel all over the American West, and he became notorious as a drinker, gambler, gunslinger, and killer. Though most historians believe that Doc only killed around one to three men. Though he became infamous for kill, like everyone told stories of like Doc Holiday's this terrifying man who's killed like eleven men, but oh. he actually didn't kill that many people. But he just had this like reputation that everyone was like afraid of him. Which, I kind of want that. That's like, kind of cool. That's kind of dope. Yeah, like, that is dope. I'll, like, never kill anyone, but I'll convince people that I killed someone, and then they'll be scared of me. And then you'll, like, move away, or you'll die, and they'll be like, you know, that's fake, right? Yeah. And then they'll be like, And everyone shit. will be like, what? And it'll be the biggest <laughs> scandal of, like, the century. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would actually be such a, like, dope way to, like, go. It's just like, hey, guys, I murdered someone, and then, like, five days later die and, like, have, like, a little letter come out that said, I never I killed anyone. That. It was a joke. And everyone would be like, oh, she got us. Guys, that was a really funny joke. Best prank ever. <laughs> In 1877, Doc met Mary Catherine Haroni 
otherwise known as Big Nose Kate. That was her um, oh. commonly known nickname. Hmm. And I looked at a picture of her. I mean, she had a... Her nose wasn't small. It wasn't huge. Wasn't enough to be named after. It wasn't enough to be named after, but maybe in the time, I guess. But okay. like, could you imagine, like, people are picking out n- nicknames for you? You go, hmm, Kate, um, <laughs> Big Nose. That's your nickname now. Big Nose Kate. I would cry. No, yeah. I would go home. I'd be like, Mom. I would be in a fetal position. This is what they're calling me. Um, but Kate was a very highly educated woman who was known for being very stubborn and set in her ways and wouldn't let anyone like change her mind about anything. Um, and she became a prostitute in Texas only because she wanted her independence and she didn't want to be forced into a marriage that she didn't want, which I was like, respect queen of any reason to be a prostitute. That's the reason. That's it. That's it. So, Doc and Kate met in Fort Griffin, Texas, and she became um, Holiday's common-law wife. So, another, like, you know, I don't, like, want to marry you. Like, I want to get rid of you if I really need to, but, like, we're going to share everything. Sure. So, Doc Holiday and Kate arrived in Dodge City around mid-1878. So, this is back to when Wyatt Earp is running Dodge City. On May 11th, 1878, Wyatt Earp returned to Dodge City after traveling to Texas for a short time. Upon hearing this news, Ed Morrison and about two dozen cowboys rode into Dodge and began to harass people and vandalize the Long Branch Saloon. Earp, hearing the commotion, entered the saloon to find several guns pointed at him. Doc, who was playing cards, got up and put his gun to Morrison's head, forcing him and the rest of Morrison's men to disarm. Earp then credited Doc to saving his life that day, and the two were friends ever since. That'd be such a cool way to make someone's friend. Yeah. But then they were like, oh, you saved my life. We're friends now. We're besties now. We're besties now. That is so cute. Isn't that so cute? Good for them. Around 1879, Dodge City's crime began to settle. Virgil Earp, who had become a deputy U.S. Marshal for the eastern Pima County, Arizona, wrote to Wyatt telling him of Tombstone, Arizona, and its wealth and increasing reputation for crime. In September of 1879, Wyatt Earp and his common-law wife, Maddie, his brother James and his actual wife, Bessie, and Doc (laughs) Holliday and his common-law wife, Kate, met in Prescott, Arizona. Everyone in the group then left for Tombstone, except for Doc and Kate, who stayed behind for better gambling opportunities. Which, like, smart. smart. This posse met up with Virgil and his common-law wife, Allie, and they were all later joined by Morgan Earp and his wife, Louisa. And then they're all, like, brother Warren Earp, who didn't have a wife. Sorry, Warren, you're just single. Dang. That sucks. (laughs) The Earps arrived when the Earps arrived in Tombstone. They had no experience in ranching, which was kind of unusual because mm-hmm. most people in the area at least had some understanding of ranching because it was a huge like ranch town. Um, so to earn their living, Wyatt bought several silver mines along with some water rights in the area. So now we can get into like what happens leading up to the shooting. Why does the shooting happen? Who's involved? What's the drama that leads up to this? So, before we begin, it should be noted that most of the accounts of what happened at the O.K. Corral conflict, um, or at what happened at the O.K. Corral conflict with one another. <laughs> this is because newspapers at the time were known to take sides, and details would differ between the papers who favored the Earp Posse versus the Cowboys. 
Um, also, during this time period, the term cowboy would refer to an outlaw or ba- bandit. Cowhand, cattle herder, or rancher was the term used to describe what we would call modern day cowboys. Like, Interesting. You know, so cowboys, we would see it like the stockyards. That was like what they would call a cowhand. Actual cowboys oh. would be like people who had experience in like cowhanding, but then also became criminals. So like hmm. if you did that, then you were a cowboy now. That's cool. But honestly, that's a badass name. Like if you're a criminal and you uh, just yeah. get called a cowboy, like that's kind of dope. That is key. dope. So with the Earps being outsiders in Tombstone, alongside their histories as lawmen, they all quickly came into conflict with a group of cattle smugglers and horse thieves who called themselves the Cowboys. Now, Cowboys mm. was the universal name, but this gang was like literally called like the Cowboys. Like we are the like y'all That's might also sick. be cowboys, but like we're the cowboys. <laughs> Claim that territory. The group consisted of several outlaws, such as Frank and Tom McLory, Billy and Ike Clanton, William Curly Bill Brokius, <gasps> and they were all led by a man named Johnny Ringo. Which th- those are such sick names. Absolutely. Why do we not have names like that anymore? I don't know. Why do we not give each other dope nicknames? We like, should. You're Curly Bill. Like, that's just your nickname now. Like, that's such a cool nickname. Jealous. Like, people just get nicknames and like, you're M. You're Millie. <laughs> you're like... Sam. You're Sam. <sighs> Sorry. Like... We should bring that back. We should bring... Single-handedly. Well, mm, your nickname will be... Mm, mm, I don't know. I'll come up with it later. I'll think. I'll think. You're wearing a striped setter, though, so I'm kind of feeling like stripes. <gasps> just... Oh... Is that, do you like it? Yeah, yours is okay. You're wearing flowers. Mm-hmm. Yours is flora. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, we just brought it back. <laughs> we just brought it back. Um, and everyone has to call us up from now on. Yes, take notes, people. Take notes. Part um, three. <laughs> we're gonna go to classes tomorrow and be like, no, 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 sorry, that's sorry, not my um, name anymore. <laughs> I, uh, my name is. Did you not listen new. to the podcast? Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So you you weren't like listening? Mm. Mm, lame. <laughs> so the cowboys all worked together on various crimes and they were always at each other's aid and it was believed at one point um mainly by virgil Earp, that the group made a blood pact at one point oh. vowing to kill the Earps. that's a little it's a little extreme but okay but i respect the um commitment. dedication yeah absolutely <laughs> In September of 1880, Doc Holliday and Kate eventually followed the Earps to Tombstone. On September 30th, 1880, Virgil Earp was made town marshal after the previous marshal, Fred White, was accidentally shot and killed by Curly Bill. What had happened was, is Curly Bill and another and some other cowboys were basically in the street shooting their guns in the air. For just no for other fun? reason, just for fun. Okay. They were all drunk. And they were shooting their guns. Sure. As is what happens when you I mean, get drunk. Yeah. Um, White had attempted to disarm Bill when Bill's gun discharged. Ooh. During Curly Bill's trial, Wyatt Earp spoke as a witness in support of Bill, stating <laughs> that the shooting was indeed accidental. Prior to this, on July 18, 1880, Wyatt Earp was appointed Pima County Deputy Sheriff after a brief stint as a stagecoach shotgun messenger for Wells Fargo. Whoa. That is a sick name title. Yeah, it's like basically the stagecoaches would get robbed a lot. So they would send someone basically just with a shotgun along with the main messenger to like protect them. 
That's an awesome job. That's such a cool job. Like, bring like that back to. Let's bring back names. Let's bring back the cool <laughs> jobs. Let's bring back right. like robbing cows. Robbing cows. Like, there's so many things that I feel like as a society, like we've, you know, not progressed. Major in. decline. Major decline. Like, I feel like let's like let's get rid of all like phones and technology and let's just go back to this time. Right. I agree. I agree. Because I, you know. Would I be bored without my phone? Maybe, but not if I was stealing cows. Not if I was shooting my gun in the air. Not if I was shooting my gun in the air. Not if I was just like, Had you a know, cool nickname. Not if I was just like, hey, I'm going to be a prostitute today. Right? You know? Like, and then if I didn't want to be a prostitute anymore, I just couldn't. Like, I could leave. And that was just like, fine. I could take on a new name and people would be like, cool. And you're having like a sleepover with someone that you're not married to that you could just walk exactly. out. Exactly. Forever sleepover and that you could just walk And you're sharing your taxes away. so you're not spending as much yeah. money take notes i mean might you like might you die of salmonella poisoning at like any moment yeah but like yeah did i want to live to like 80 anyway no well maybe we should like that's the one thing that we can take Mm -hmm. like all our health standards are like the same soap dentistry that that all stays that can stay but like tuberculosis but you can't have your car anymore you have to ride a horse everywhere that's fine i feel like that'd be fine that'd be fine people did that anyway We'll be fine. We're in Texas. True. I'll just go. Like if my if this one runs out, I can go get a new one at the stockyards. Or you could steal one. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, you're so smart. Yeah. All right. So in an effort to reduce crime in Tombstone, the local council passed a law that required anyone carrying a Bowie knife, a dirk, pistol or a rifle to have to deposit their weapons at a livery Hmm. or a saloon as soon as they entered town, which I feel like interesting. So is the saloon really the best place to, like, go leave your gun? Does not sound like it. Because I feel like as soon as some other drunk person walks in and sees your gun, like, sitting somewhere, they'd be like, oh, gun! And then your right. gun would just be gone. Like, right. I would leave it at the, like, sheriff's office. Like, they can't lock it in anything? Exactly. You're, you're just putting it, like, on a table? I was, yeah. I think the, yeah, I think no, the, I'm good. Like, I think the bartender is literally, like, taking your gun and just setting it, like, on a shelf under the bar. And then you come back in, oh, here's your gun again. I would forget it. I'll be honest. I would forget it. I would go home without it. That that would be an issue is if I can't have like my reminders on my phone anymore. I would be forgetting (laughs) so many things. No, me too. Um, So on November 2nd, 1880, an election for Pima County Sheriff was held with Democrat Charles A. Chabelle running against Republican Bob Paul. What a name. Bob Paul. That's great. Chabelle was the current Pima County Sheriff and was the one who appointed Wyatt Earp as deputy. Mm-hmm. However, upon his re-election, Chabelle replaced Earp with Johnny Behan. <gasps> Behan and Earp fought over several different law positions during their time in Tombstone, but Behan would almost always win due to his better political connections. So he's a nepotism baby, pretty much. You know, it is how it is. Behan was also known to sympathize with the cowboys and other outlaws at the time. So not only okay. is he a nepotism baby, he's very corrupt. Hmm. Behan and the Earp's conflicts didn't end in law as they both became interested in the same woman. Oh, great. Her name was Josephine Marcus, also known as Sadie when she went to Arizona. And sure. once again, this was a case of her meeting another prostitute and saying, cool name, mine now. I mean, I like it. Sadie has a cute ring. Sadie has a cute ring. Yeah. Josephine was originally from New York, but she ran away around age 14 in Arizona in pursuit of adventure. 
that was the only reason why she left. So fair. Josephine met Behan first when she went to Tombstone, who courted her and promised to marry her. However, Behan was a known womanizer. And when Josephine found him in bed with another man's wife, she kicked him out because it was her house and she owned it. And he was just living there. Icon. Icon. Queen. Josephine tried very hard to keep many of the details about her time in Tombstone private. So it is unknown when Wyatt Earp left his common law wife, Maddie Baylock, and when he officially began his relationship with Josephine. Hmm. Um, It is known, though, that Maddie had an opium addiction, which is what is kind of partially credited to, like, the reason as, like, why Wyatt left her. Like... Yeah. She just got like, because opium at the time was used for headaches and she was known to get really bad headaches. And then it was like, you don't have headaches anymore, do you? Yeah. You're just like, she's like, in like media depiction of the scene of this, she's like down in this. Like she's fully like sticking her fingers in this jar and like licking this opium. Not and I'm good. like, mm, that's a little gross. Poor girl. Throughout all this time, the Earps and Doc Holliday had several ongoing conflicts with the Cowboys, specifically with the Clantons. Behan, using his law status, would often aid the Cowboys with attempting to get the Earps and Holiday. And I'm going to talk about the circumstance that, like, stood out to me most. So, at one point, Behan and a saloon owner named Milt Joyce exploited Doc Holliday's common-law wife by getting her drunk after she had an <gasps> argument with Doc. And they got her to sign an affidavit that uh, implicated Holliday in an attempted stagecoach robbery and murders. Um, and the reason for this was because Joyce was attempting to get back at Holiday after he challenged a gambler named Johnny Tyler in Joyce's Oriental Saloon, leading to Joyce and Holiday arguing before Holiday shot Joyce in the palm. <gasps> Holiday was eventually cleared of all these charges, but was unable to forgive Kate and sent her on a stagecoach with some money oh. out of Tombstone. So this is the kind of time where it's like, well, okay, is this the reason why you had a common law wife? So if you got mad at her at one point, you could just say, (laughs) see ya, Uh, get on the horse. Here's five bucks. Um, I bought this stagecoach for you. Yeah. Go wherever you want. Just not here. Just not here. Just not here. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just don't really get the whole, like, I'm going to sign an affidavit while I'm drunk. Clearly she didn't know what she was doing. That's what what she said. She literally, like, when she had to testify, she was like, I had no clue what I was signing. I, I was just, just really drunk. That's so funny to me. Because imagine someone handing you a pen. And you're like, okay. It's also so petty of like, yeah, so we did petty. have an argument. Okay, signing this. Like, haha, you're going to jail. <sighs> that is low-key something I would do, though. Like, thinking about Same it right honestly. now. All right, so now we get to talk about the shooting <gasps> at the okay. OK Corral. So on the morning of October 25th, Ike Clanton and Tom McLowry came into Tombstone for supplies, and both were eventually joined by their brothers Billy Clanton and Frank McLowry. The Clanton-McLowry gang had several run-ins with the Earps and Holiday, most of which were violent, like just mm-hmm. throughout that day. It was literally like, hey, screw you. Hey, screw you. And then they would like pistol whip each other, which is when you take the back handle of your pistol and just hit it on someone's head to like <laughs> knock them out. Which every time I think of that, it's Sorry, like so funny. It's like you have hilarious. a gun for the purpose of shooting someone, but instead you use it as a hammer. That is so petty. 
It's so petty. Like, that is so it childish. It was literally, literally, like, going out to be like, I don't like you. I don't like you. You suck. Like, That's hilarious. But once again, literally something that I would do. I would do that, too. <laughs> I would probably never shoot anyone. No. I would just pistol whip him. Like, like I wouldn't hilarious. even have it loaded. I would just be no, like, yeah. <laughs> No bullets are in there. No. Bob him on the head. That, it's so funny. Oh, absolutely. All right. So, the next day, on October 26th, 1881, the cowboy gang from the, um, the cowboy gang, um, entered the town, and word spread fast that the group was armed. Sheriff Behan was the first to attempt to disarm the group, though he was unsuccessful. He did, however, tell the Earps that he was able to get all the men's guns. So... He wasn't lying. He did genuinely believe that he had disarmed them because all of the men came in with, like, multiple guns and then they would give Behan, like, one of their guns and be like, yeah, you, you have all of them. Yeah. So I can't. Behan, like, genuinely believed that he had disarmed Poor guy. these men. Um, but um, Virgil Earp, who was still, like, the town marshal, mm -hmm. decided to be, like, the true person to go, like, check all this out. Um, Virgil Earp decided to go disarm the group, and he gave Doc Holliday a shotgun and took Doc's walking stick, which Doc used because tuberculosis, you're not exactly a very strong, you know, person. Yeah. Um, Holliday, Virgil, Morgan, and Wyatt Earp were all carrying pistols as they began walking west to the OK Corral. Behan attempted to disarm this posse as well, but was once again unsuccessful. And this time, they didn't even give him any guns. They basically just said, like, move. Because, yeah, I'm going to be mean, totally honest, Behan didn't really have any real power. And he was also kind of basically just a politician acting as a sheriff. Right. He wasn't an actual, like, true, true lawman. Around 3 p.m., the Earp Holiday Posse faced six cowboys. Frank McLowry, Tom McLowry, Billy Clanton, Ike Clanton, um, Billy Claiborne, Wes Fuller, and Wes Fuller. In a drawing done by Wyatt Earp in 1924, Morgan stood across from Billy Clanton to the left, then Wyatt stood across from Tom McLowry. Virgil was then across from Frank McLowry and Wes Fuller. Then Doc stood farther back from the group. The drawing did not include Ike Clanton and Billy Claiborne as they eventually ran from the fight. That is fair. Fair. Understandable. Upon seeing the cowboys, Virgil said, quote, throw up your hands. I want your guns. Then once Frank McLowry and Billy Clanton cocked their revolvers, Virgil yelled, Hold, I don't mean that. While most eyewitnesses' accounts are conflicting, Wyatt Earp recounted that he first aimed at Frank McLowry, knowing that he was the best shot of the group. Hmm. Billy Clanton aimed at Wyatt, and both Billy and Wyatt were the first to shoot. Billy shot, Billy's shot missed, but Wyatt did hit Frank in the stomach. Now, another reason why eyewitness accounts are a little bit hazy is because the shooting happened in such a small proximity. Mm -hmm. Like, this area was literally, like, I honestly don't know how to describe it, but it was, like, it wasn't a little alley, but it was, like, a pretty small piece of land. Sure, and yeah. so the gunpowder that was going off was kind of creating, like, a black cloud around yeah. the area. So it was making it hard for a lot of people to see what was truly going on. Interesting, okay. Even for the Earps. Like, their account is, like, loosely based on what they could barely see. Hmm. 
So general firing started immediately after the first shots rang out. Ike Clanton, who had been boasting all of that day that he would kill the Earps in Holiday, ran immediately to Wyatt and cried out that he was unarmed and didn't want to fight. Interesting. <laughs> um, following Ike, both Billy Claiborne and Wes Fuller ran from the fight as well. Um, Doc Holiday at one point stepped around Tom McClory's horse, who Tom was hiding behind. <laughs> and shot Tom at close range with Virgil's shotgun. Mm. Morgan was able to shoot Billy Clanton in the wrist after Billy then drew his gun. So they're like getting in there, good yeah. shots. Billy Clanton and Frank McLowry continued to fight even after they were shot, with Billy shooting Morgan across his back and shoulder blades. So it fully like Ouch. went through his like shoulder That's blades. That's crazy. In the back, which I'm like. To get shot in the first place is bad, but, like, imagine just going through those bones That sounds back so there. terrible. Yeah. No. Like, I would just... Uh, that gives me, no. like, the heebie-jeebies, kind of. Frank was eventually shot in the head, but both Morgan Earp and Doc Holliday have tried to claim that they were the ones that did it. Though, oh. once they... So, all basically, everyone, like, went to court after this, obviously. But right. Morgan and Doc just kind of chose not to. Okay. So, cool. it's kind of, like, unknown who was the true person to shoot frank but they both like claimed like i did it i did it tom mclowry and billy clanton were both shot several more times and once the fight was over they were both carried to different buildings um in the surrounding area before they both died of their wounds morgan was not the only one to sustain injuries in the gunfight Virgil was shot in the calf by Billy Clanton, and Doc was bruised by a bullet that grazed his hip after striking his gun holster. Wyatt Earp, however, was completely unharmed. So, our king is standing <sighs> tall. There he is. While a lot happened in the shootout, the entire shootout actually only lasted about 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Which so much, like, Wait, that's crazy. so much happened in that yeah. time, but it was only 30 seconds. Sheriff Behan attempted to arrest the Earps in Holiday following the fight, to which Wyatt responded, quote, I won't be arrested today. I am right here and am not going away. You have deceived me. You told me that these men were disarmed. I went to disarm them. And just, like, walked away after that. It was like, hey, sc screw okay. you. Like, That's iconic. So now we get into basically everything that happened following the gunfight and honestly this is even more badass than the fight I'm so itself ready. so funerals were held for billy clanton and tom and tom and frank mcclowry on boot hill with over 300 people attending oh wow like these were bad guys but they were pretty popular yeah the story of the shootout was picked up by newspapers all over the u.s but most favored the lawman rather than the cowboys and it made Wyatt Earp a legend throughout all of the West. Hmm. Ike Clanton filed murder charges against the Earps and Holiday, though all were acquitted after evidence proved that Virgil had properly deputized Morgan and Wyatt before the fight, and that Doc Holiday acted in self-defense considering that the cowboys involved were brandishing weapons. Conflict remained strong between the Earps and the cowboys, and on December 28, 1881, Virgil was ambushed by a posse while walking between two saloons. He was shot in his left arm and shoulder by a shotgun, and Ike Clanton's hat was found nearby. Oh, no. 
So basically this rendered his arm completely useless, but he did survive. Okay. Good. However, on March 18th, 1882, Morgan Earp was shot and killed while playing billiards. (gasps) Which, that pisses me off. I'm like, could you imagine Come just playing, like, a nice, on. cool, like, little game of pool, and then you just get shot? Yeah. After like, being that cool, Virgil too. Virgil made sense, because he was out in the open, like, just, like, walking. Right. But, like, you're in, this dude was inside, having a good time, and you shoot him. Fly high, man. That sucks. <sighs> Both shootings were thought to have been led by the cowboy leader, Johnny Ringo. Mm. Um, and we'll kind of talk about what happens to him later. But following the death of his brothers, Wyatt chose to no longer rely on the law to bring just to bring his brothers justice and chose to take matters into his own hands. Now we start getting to some more cool names again. Earp created a posse consisting of himself, his brother James and Warren, Doc Holliday, Sherman McMaster, Oop. Jack Turkey Creek Johnson, oh. um, Charles Harelip Charlie Smith. Like Dan that. Tipton and Texas Jack Vermillion. Such Texas cool Jack? names. Texas Jack Vermillion? And that's his real name, too. Texas Jack. I'm like, close. all of those other ones had, like, nicknames, but this dude's real name was Texas Jack. That is Texas so Jack. sick. <sighs> these names are so cool. Um, Wyatt Earp paid all of these men $5 a day in order to oh, wow. help him pursue the suspects in his brother's shootings. Which $5 was a lot yeah. back then. This dude was like splurging on these dudes. The posse then began a two-week-long ride throughout the West in pursuit of the cowboys. So, the posse took Morgan's body back to Colton, California first then accompanied Virgil and his wife Allie to the train station in Tucson, Arizona. The posse heard a rumor that Frank Stillwell and other cowboys were waiting by the railroad to kill Virgil. The next day, Stillwell's body was found riddled with gunshot wounds sitting next to the railroad tracks. No way. Like, no one saw this dude be shot. No one knows who killed him. But uh, his body was just kind of found. Um, Dang. Which that isn't that kind of dope. It's just yes. like it's also scary too. Like that's terrifying, but also. But yeah, know. it was basically just like a warning to like all of the other cowboys of like don't mess with us. Wow. The posse then returned to Tombstone, where Sheriff Behan unsuccessfully tried to stop them. And this was once again a moment of like, dude, like move. Yeah, like, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. The group left behind Harelip Charlie and Warren Earp, who chose to remain there, and set off on a revenge spree of many other cowboys. Now, it should also be noted at this time that Sheriff Behan did deputize some of the cowboys in order to make it so that they wouldn't be arrested if they had defended themselves against the Earps. No way. Which is also, once again, like, such a, like, dude, like, Behan, whose side are you on? Um, Yeah, man's confused. Some of their most notable killings include Florentino, Indian Charlie Cruz, Pony Deal, Johnny Barnes, and of course, William Curly Bill Brokius from before, who is interesting because Wyatt did once defend him after he killed Frank White. Yeah. Um, While the Cowboys, or while um, the Earps were never officially accredited with killing him, Johnny Ringo was eventually found um, following their murder spree with a bullet wound in his head that many believe was suicide, but it was never truly proven. No. 
So they got oh, interesting. everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Following the ride, Wyatt Earp left Arizona with his brother Warren, Doc Holliday, uh, McMaster, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, and Texas Jack Vermillion. They all met up with Earp's friend, Deputy U.S. Marshal Bat Masterson, who went with them to Trinidad, Colorado, and opened up a Pharaoh Hall and Saloon. On July 9th, 1882, Wyatt Earp traveled to San Francisco in order to visit Virgil, who was receiving treatment for his shattered arm. It was there that Earp reunited with Josephine Marcus, who became and remained as, as his common-law wife for the next 46 years until Wyatt's death. Oh, wow. Which is, like, at that, like, I read that and I was like, that's such a beautiful relationship. Why didn't y'all just, like, actually get married? That's my question, And they too. did, like, eventually technically get married. But from everything I read, like, he still was, she was still, like, somehow considered a common-law wife. And I was like, weird. Was weird. it, like, a lot of trouble? I don't fully remember, like, all the details. Like, they did officially get married somewhere, but it was okay. something to do with, like, the certificate getting like lost or something or just like not ever getting processed or something like it was just kind of like a happenstance like circumstance but like but i was still like dude like if you know you're gonna be with this woman for the rest of your life right. get married just marry make it, sure man. that it goes through like yeah weird Doc Holliday did, however, begin to succumb to his tuberculosis over the next couple of years following his revenge ride. The last time Wyatt Earp and Doc saw each other was in late winter of 1886 in the lobby of the Windsor Hotel. Josie, who was with them, described Doc as looking almost skeletal. Aww. Holliday died at 10 a.m. on November 8, 1887, when he was 36 in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Wow. So once again, like, you're not living very long yeah, in this time Yeah, young period. guy. Josie and Wyatt Earp traveled all over the American West, including going all the way up to Alaska to take part in the Klondike Gold Rush, before settling in Los Angeles, California in 1910. Earp became friends with many rising stars in the cowboy western movie industry. At the time of his death, Wyatt Earp was the last remaining Earp brother, and was the only person still alive who participated in the shooting at the OK Corral. Wyatt Earp died of chronic, chronic cystitis on January 13th, 1929, at the age of 80. Oh, wow. Dude lived a yeah, long time. Yeah, good for him. So now let's talk about the legacy of the OK Corral and why I, why I just love this case <laughs> so much and why I'm in love with Doc Holliday. The shootout at the OK Corral and the story of Wyatt Earp has been betrayed in almost every form of media and popular culture. The hand-drawn sketch that Wyatt Earp made of the shootout was sold at auction in October of 2010 for $380,000. Wow. Several movies have been made regarding the gunfight, including the most popular ones being Tombstone, made in 1993, and Wyatt Earp, made in 1994. So let's talk about these movies. Okay. Tombstone just might be one of my favorite movies of all time. It has, um, do you know who Val Kilmer is? I do, yes. He plays Doc Holliday. No way, And really? when I tell you that this man looks so scrumdiddly umptious in this movie, <laughs> and he has this, like, thick southern Georgian <laughs> accent that he uses, and he says, like, these, like, great one-liners. Like, he'll, like, see people, and he'll, like, say to them, I'm your huckleberry. 
and it doesn't hey. mean anything, but he says that, and, like, I just, like, get, like, butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, I have to watch this movie. You have to watch this. And it's I such will. a good portrayal. Because when I was, like, doing research about the movie is they brought in, like, several historians who analyzed all of, like, the witnesses and stuff to make mm-hmm. sure that their shootout in the movie was as accurate as possible. That's really cool. Um, so... Um, Wyatt Earp was made the next year, and that's the movie made in 1994. I've seen clips of it. It doesn't give me the same, like, magic as Tombstone does, but, like, sure. I know a lot of people still really like it, and Wyatt Earp in that movie is played by, like, Kevin Costner. Um, let me look up the cast for Tombstone real fast, because there's a lot of, like, really iconic people in Tombstone. Um, but, yeah, Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. Um, Kurt Russell is Wyatt Earp. Do you know who Sam Elliott is? Yes. Sam Elliott is Virgil Earp. Um, cool, cool. We have people like Billy Bob Thornton in it, um, Stephen Lang, Billy Zane, Thomas Hayden Church, like huge yeah. country western like names, like a lot of recognizable faces in this, um, which I've always thought is crazy. Um, Sylvester Stallone's brother is in this. No way. <laughs> um, but yeah. I like cool. if you Very ever cool. need a good movie to watch, absolutely watch Tombstone. Um, but Tombstone, Arizona itself is now designated as a national historical landmark and attracts many, many tourists year round. And to capitalize off of the public interest, Tombstone has daily reenactments of the gunfight at the <gasps> OK Corral, which I think is so cool. That is like so they cool. hire actors to come like portray the shootout. That's awesome. The town is also widely considered to be haunted by mm. the town ta- town caretakers, and they say that they like see people from who died in the gunfight just like walking around at night. Ooh. Um, they Yay. even claim to like see like Doc Holiday. They say like pianos will just start like playing in the saloons. Like interesting. But that is the story of the gunfight at the OK Corral. Um, that was so cool. I just. I had seen this movie, like, this is definitely one of those movies that, like, I watched with my dad a lot growing up. You know, like, yeah. the dad movies oh, yeah. where it's just, like, you just, like, you would never watch it any time other than, like, with your dad. Of course, yeah. um, That was one of these movies. And my dad can recite this movie, like, line that for is line. Awesome. Um, but I, like, never knew that it was a real story until mm-hmm. maybe, like, seven years ago. Because they did an episode of it in BuzzFeed Unsolved. I think I saw it. Like, when you mentioned it, I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like I've heard like, of they this def- I think they went ghost hunting. There, yes. Like, at, um, but this story's always been like, oh, like, that would be so cool. And I've all, I literally have, like, looked several times to see, like, are they taking caretaker? Like, because I think they have, like, summer jobs of, like, you can go be a caretaker for a summer. And I was like, I- I'd do it. That would be so But also, cool. like, Arizona. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'd survive in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I might melt, but to be in Tombstone, that'd be really cool. And especially, like, watching the reenactment, mm-hmm. too. I wonder, that would do be, they make it longer? Do you know? I and, think they make it the exact yeah. time. I think they make it so that they, like, walk out of the building they originally walked out of. No way. They all walk over to the area. They all say, like, the words that were, had, like, supposedly said. And then the shootout, like, lasts for 30 seconds, ends, everyone leaves, and then everything goes back to normal. That is so cool. But isn't that, like, I feel like, I always think of, like, these weird, like, when I read about these weird acting opportunities, because, like, I want to be a performer one day. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you don't think about these opportunities. 
Right? But they just kind of happen. Yeah. And I feel like that would be so... I would I would literally walk around. Like, I know I'm a girl, so I couldn't, like, be one of the shooters. But I would fully be, like, in, like, a little bustle dress, like, waiting inside. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. St- Guys, this isn't you. Stop. Stop the violence. <laughs> that would be so fun, too. But, Yeah. Yeah. I just think this story is just so cool. It is very cool. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of, like, murders and serial killers and cults. And I was like, this is still a murder, but, like, it's dope. Like, I love historical true crime. Yeah, so cool. So cool. People don't think about it enough, too. Yeah, no one ever thinks about it enough. But do you have any final questions or comments or anything you'd like to say? No, that was just so cool. That was awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today, Maddie. You've officially joined the club that is Club Crime. And to all my listeners out there, please join us next week for another true crime story when we have another special guest joining us. And this has been Club Crime.